welcome to episode four of the 412 Double Play Podcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Castrigano. Joining me today is my brother and co-host, Stephen Castrigano. Steve, how are you doing today? Uh, I've uh, I've had better days, Mike. I've had better days. How it's are you been doing? A, it's definitely been a rough game, a rough series, mm-hmm. rough week, really. Uh, but let's look at the roster roundup for the past week. On the 16th, the Bucks bolstered their backup catching role by cutting Andrew Knapp and adding Tyler Heineman from the Blue Jays. Heinemann has been stellar defensively throughout his professional career. He has a cost ceiling at just under 32%. Roberto Perez had season-ending surgery on his hamstring on the 18th, so it is a plus that the Pirates made a move to somewhat shore up their catching position. Knapp, it was announced today, was signed to a minor league deal with the Mariners, so happy trails to Andrew Knapp. Steve, any thoughts on the current catching situation with the Bucks? Oh... It's just, it became such a, a difficult situation. I don't know that there's any good, quick solutions. I was personally cheering for Roberto to be that big guiding force behind the plate. Now we'll just have to piece it together as we go. Yeah, it seems that many of the pitchers, starters in relief, both all were saying positive things about Perez and how he was a stabilizing force for... Mm-hmm the pitching staff I won't say that a lot of them got better this season but guys like Quintana Keller at times Thompson's definitely made some steps forward and then in the bullpen Will Crow, uh, Dylan Peterson uh, Diller, Dylan Peters have uh, definitely progressed better than expected in their, their new roles so hopefully with Perez and now Heineman that will be able to that going and potentially progress further with the development of them and other prospects who could be coming up. Looking back at the week, recapping the Pirates dropped two of three to the Cubs behind 9-0 and 7-0 shutouts in the first two games. Managed to avoid a sweep with a 3-2 win to end the series, but really not great. Bucks followed that up by allowing five plus runs in each game to the Cardinals, losing 5-4, 5-3, and the worst one, an 18-4 game today which was only that close with Yadier Molina pitching the ninth to give up four runs. Mismanaging the pitching staff and a sleepy offense really hurt the Pirates' chances of winning more games this week. It's a frustrating situation. What really is to blame? Is there even one specific thing that you can pinpoint at this time that we, you can blame for why the Pirates haven't been able to win close games two of those games against the Cardinals were close it seems like they were making a comeback on Saturday that kind of fell short what what do you think is the specific issue here oh I I don't think I could pinpoint a single issue Mike I think it's I mean sloppy defense has definitely been hurting just mentally and emotionally it's painful to see so many errors in the field or just bad play calls. Um, and then it's putting position, putting pitchers in bad positions. I uh, agree. It's on Shelton or on Oscar Marine, but I've just been very disappointed from what I've seen there. Yeah, Zach Thompson was pulled after five innings on Friday. He seemed to be cruising, ended up losing that game. Hayes, after today, he's now at eight errors, leads the league in errors. He's certainly making good plays in the field, but it's concerning the amount of errors that he's making. 
Mm-hmm. His error last week led to uh, several unearned runs scoring. We ended up losing that game. So, ideally, he's making a lot less errors. I don't know exactly what's going on with that or um, what why that's happening. Other issues, uh, Rodolfo Castro stealing third when Hayes was at bat with um, guys on first and third, or first and second. It got thrown out by a lot because Molina was behind the plate, so... <laughs> seems like a really dumb move just a lot of confusion across the board hopefully we've got better things coming and with that let's go look down on the farm the indianapolis indians this week hosted the toledo mud hens they won the series four to two with a seven one win today behind home runs by both mason martin and o'neill cruz they are now 21 and 19 the Altoona Curve hosted the Richmond Flying Squirrels. They won their series 4-2 with a 19-8 win today behind home runs from Aaron Shackleford, Alvarez, Sanchez, and Sable with another multi-hit game from Nick Gonzalez, who is really turning things around, batting average now at 250. The Curve moved to 18-21 and on the season. Greensboro Grasshoppers hosted the Bowling Green Hot Rods, split the series 3-3 after Matt Gorski walked it off today with his third home run of the game. 7th of the week, 17th of the season. He leads all of Pirates affiliates in home runs, provided all four runs today, and raised his season OPS to 1.131. Hopefully, a call to Altoona is in his near future. The Grasshoppers are now 17-21. and 21. Bradenton Marauders, Palm Beach Cardinals. The Marauders also split their weekly series behind solid offensive performances from Alexander Mujica and Brendan Dixon, as well as a fourth straight five-inning start from Joelvis Del Rosario. They are now 19-20 and 20 on the season. Lots of good things on the farm system this week. Lots of offensive powerhouses, lots of strengths. Who do you like specifically in the minor league system lately? I mean, Cruz is, O'Neill Cruz is definitely the obvious choice to want to see getting brought up. Although with our somewhat crowded middle infielder, I'm a bit worried how they're trying to manage that. And maybe that's why they keep trying to put, uh, who was it today, Castillo in the outfield where he just did not seem comfortable. Uh, But also Mason Martin, I I really would like to see him get the call up soon. With Yoshi struggling at bat, I think he had a good game yesterday. That's been the best I've seen from him. It'd be nice to have a more productive first baseman called up. Yeah, Mason Martin would require a 40-man move in order to Mm -hmm. be called up. Yoshi seems like an obvious pick. He's had extra base hits each of the past two games, but today came in the ninth inning against Molina when he hit that home run. He had a double in yesterday's game, I believe. Other than that, he doesn't have any extra base hits. His on-base percentage is just under 300. Not the best kind of production from one of your corner infield players. Oh, absolutely. And he shouldn't be taking up a a DH spot either. Want to get a bogey in the lineup. Uh, It's it's disappointing to say because... When the season started, it looked like Yoshi had such a good approach, and he's just fallen off. And I, I'm not sure what has happened there, but... Yeah, in limited time last year with the Bucks, he definitely seemed strong. Bogey, the past couple days, 
the word is that he's been dealing with a lower mm-hmm. body injury. He did pinch hit yesterday for Michael Perez, fly out to, I believe, left field, but uh, hopefully will be available for the Rocky series. I haven't heard any differently. We expect to see him in these next couple games. But there's certainly issues on the team, and that's going to turn to our first special for today. Quick fix for every team. Last week, Will Leach of MLB.com published an article titled, Need a Hand, One Quick Fix for Every Team. And the fix for the Pirates was to shop Quintana. Not really a fix. I agree that the Bucks should be looking to take advantage of a strong start to the season from a veteran and look at potential trade candidates ahead of the deadline in a few months. But that doesn't improve the team this season. So I wanted to discuss some actual fixes that can improve the uh, 2022 Pirates and uh, see what kind of moves can be made in order to allow for success going forward. First thing, positional versatility. Stop it. Tucker, Park, Castillo, Chavis, Castro, Hayes have all played out of position in Major League Baseball games. They've all looked uncomfortable, made mistakes, and it just hurts players' confidence. Same thing with Cruz and Bay playing outfield and Indy. Cruz is not great at shortstop, but so what? He's not going to be a gold glover in the outfield, so what are you trying to accomplish by playing him there instead of working with him in the infield, trying to get him better there and making him do what he does best, which is hit. The guy hit a home run today that was 111 miles an hour. He's had several balls that he's hit at or around 120 miles an hour. There's only two guys in Major League Baseball that do that, and they both play in the outfield for the Yankees. That's it. O'Neal Cruz should be up. We got a bench of the bums. Promote the prospects. Yoshi, Newman, Hembry, Van Meter, Wilson, all should be DFA'd, or in Wilson's case, because he has that option to add Cruz, Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, Rowanzi Contreras, and De Los Santos recently announced that they are getting the call up. Mm-hmm. Recently, Hector Gomez announced that Rowanzi Contreras has been called up to the bigs, and Yuri De Los Santos. He needs a 40-man spot in order to be promoted, but Jiwon Bay, also on the Indianapolis Indians, announced via his Instagram that De Los Santos is getting the call up to the bigs. Hopefully, we will see both of them with the team tomorrow. Contreras, hopefully, pitching in that Rocky series. Yep, that but, is definitely great news to hear. But Get looking at fresh life into our pitching, which has definitely been very stagnant. Yeah, the pitching definitely needs it. The hitting needs it, too. You know what you've got with Yoshi and Newman. They don't hit enough for their positions. They're blocking higher upside prospects. They're not playing good defense. And then Van Meter and Wilson, they've been touted prospects in the past, have shown flickers of potential, but not every prospect hits, and they're both really struggling lately. Henbury has just been awful. As I said earlier, he's statistically the worst player on the team. A rebuilding team at this stage needs to focus on higher ceiling talent, see if they have anything legit. I expect he will be the one who is cut in order for De Los Santos to premiere with the team. And the last part here, coaches on the hot seat. Oscar Marine, Andy Haynes, and especially Derek Shelton should all be fired or threatened with firing. They have specific jobs and they're failing at it. The roster isn't great, but they're still major league guys who at some point show that they can hit or pitch or field. A good coaching staff will make the most of what they've got. Four coaching staff will finish bottom five in MLB three years in a row. And right now, that's where this team is tracking. 
Steve, do you have any thoughts on other changes or comments regarding changes that this team needs to make in order to be successful going forward this season? Well, I, I definitely agree. The, these coaches need to step up. I know it's not the best team, but when you look at some of the things the Pirates have done in the past, this is most certainly not the worst team we've ever had, and we shouldn't be on track for another 100-game losing season. I think for uh, Oscar Marine specifically, he, he may be trying to get a little too cute with the teams because I know he does things differently, which is good, but at a point you've got to have situated roles for your your pitchers. Yeah, it seems like he is playing around a little bit too much. Marine, I don't know if he's having guys pitch their strengths, but Haynes was brought in to get guys hitting, and we've been seeing a lot of regression. We're seeing Reynolds starting to turn things around. Hopefully, that's a sign of things to come, and he's past mm-hmm. this early season slump. Hayes has been great. Chavis, a surprisingly solid season, but we're routinely putting out um, batting orders where half the guys are below the Mendoza line batting-wise, and that's just not what you can you're, you want to be doing if you're even going to be middle of the pack. We know this isn't a competitive team, but it's getting to a point where it's worse than embarrassing. Oh, yeah. My- yeah it's with, with guys like Yoshi digressing so much, that's got to come from somewhere. Yeah, so in my mind, and I know that uh, we were talking before the call about uh, how this shapes up compared to the Huntington era. So Huntington took over as GM in September of 2007. John Russell was brought on as the manager, lasted for three seasons, and then was uh, ceremoniously dismissed after three consecutive 95-plus lost seasons. Hurdle was brought in. 2011 is when the team started to show signs of potential. Do you see something like that happening, or do you think Sherrington has faith in Shelton to be leading the next playoff potential team in Pittsburgh? Mm, uh, honestly, right now, I don't see uh, Shelton being that person to lead the team. I think, you know, even if you ignore the chaotic 2020 season, we just have not seen enough progression. And you're talking about, you know, the team Hurdle inherited, that was... 100 loss team for Shelton getting a 93 or 4 loss team in Hurdle's last season and it's just continued to go downhill I, I, I need to see something this season yeah. I think if we end up with more than you know 92 losses I'm not expecting the team to go 500 by any means but we're still in that high 90s 100 mark I think it's time to move on from Shelton okay yeah I, and some and of the I other agree. coaches Hurdle in his last season which was 2019 went 69 and 93 with the team mm. a 426 winning percentage Shelton hasn't sniffed 400 winning percentage 317 in his first season the shortened 2020 season 19 and 41 finish and 377 with a 61 and 101 record last year hurdle in his first three seasons went 72 and 90 79 and 83 and then of course the 2013 playoff year 94 and 68 so we're in a different stage of the rebuild john russell obviously was 95 plus losses each season I think that maybe we're moving in a direction where Shelton is that scapegoat coach. 
managing the team just to get them into rebuild position and then hiring somebody who maybe is a bit more experienced to take the reins for next season, perhaps a Mike Sosha or Ron Renicky kind of manager. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that plays out at the end of the season. <clears throat> Special number two, MLB.com's Jonathan Mayo released a new mock draft last week, which has the Pirates taking Cal Poly shortstop Brooks Lee with the fourth overall pick. Lee, ranked fifth overall, would be the third straight college bat taken in the first round by the Charrington regime. The pick makes a lot of sense, given that he has an athletic build, proven success with a 405, 432, 667 triple slash line in the Cape Cod lead. League, excuse me, which BC has shown preference to strong performances there. Lee is 6'1", 190 pounds, a switch hitter who is likely to move off shortstop at some point, but a very complete player possibly lower ceiling than any of the top high school bats being talked about but seems to have a higher floor more polished player can move up the ranks quickly to hopefully contribute in the near future steve do you have any thoughts on brooks lee as a potential pick in that four spot i think it's 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 definitely a good move we'll we'll have to see yeah i've talked previously about having preference to one of those high school bats um Drew Jones, obviously, I think probably goes number one overall. Orioles have been okay with going and, and taking a high school bat with that first pick. But even the other guys certainly have potential in those positions. Mm-hmm. With, yeah, it's uh, all about where the, where the Pirates' window actually opens up. If they are going to continue being in rebuild for many, many more years, then... Yeah, let's go with the younger guy and try to get another wave. But ideally, we've got another couple years, and then we're into that good swing. And we Mm want to have the more experienced players to bring up quickly. Right. Going with Lee potentially allows them to not have to overspend with the first pick and be able to utilize the funds further on like they did last draft. Getting Mm -hmm. Salamito, Chandler, etc. Okay, and moving on to the Stargell Stars for the week. Tough to pick, but let's start it off with Michael Chavis. Offensively, he has been one of the few bright spots for this team. He hit to a 476, 522, 714 triple slash, made a really dumb misplay during Tuesday's game against the Cubs after losing a pop-up and then not throwing to second to get an out, but the bat is playing and so should he. Just mm-hmm. not at third base. Pitching-wise, yes. Zach Thompson... Thompson has really bounced back from the 21-0 trouncing by the Cubs. He has allowed only one run in 17 innings of work so far in May. 12 strikeouts to 5 walks. The rotation is a real mixed bag, but if Thompson can continue this streak, that's at least one less problem. The third Stargell star for the week is the fans who stuck around at PNC Park today. Pirates were blown out for the third time in the last week. Product on the field, tough to watch, so anyone who was able to stick it out to the end of today... Didn't even get fireworks, but you know what? This star is for you. Any players from the past week, good or bad, that stuck out for you? Yeah, a lot of a lot of bad, unfortunately. Although I I definitely concur with the Chavis star. I think uh, a lot of people complained about his second at bat against Miley on Monday, where he took two timeouts and stepped out of the box, but. Honestly, that's exactly what all of the batters should have been doing. And yeah, Miley I think was he really fast. Yep. 
I think he served as a good role model, although obviously didn't pan out in that game. Ended up losing 9 nothing. But just to get that first hit, you know, that, that was great. And, you know, he did exactly what he needed to with the bat. Yeah, and he seems okay in the field at first base, somewhat mm-hmm. at second base. Third base, he's made some plays, but definitely seems a lot less comfortable over there. So I would say first, at worst case, second base, if, if absolutely needed for him positionally. Yeah, I, I would keep him at first. Although if we're going to move somebody to the outfield, maybe he's the person that could be the right fielder. Uh, I know he has played that position in the past a few times with so many other middle infielders, especially when we get O'Neill Cruz up. I think Chavis is the one we want a position to be first right field. See, that, that seems more like the Garrett Jones kind of trajectory. Mm-hmm. And I would rather have somebody playing outfield who is an outfielder. I don't want us getting stuck in this cycle of putting guys out there. We currently have three more than capable defensively and at least mostly capable offensively outfielders. I think we should have a fourth outfielder up here. But Reynolds, Gamble, and Sawinski right now are all doing great job. Sawinski defensively has been one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd have to look that up. But Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, I, he's I agree. Really he's, he's been the, great defensively. I think his offense still needs some you know, time to mature. He does yeah, have I, some good power numbers. But I think just... I'm not saying put Chavis in right field all the time. I'm saying if there's going to be an option for it, don't put him in the middle infield. Yeah. And yeah. definitely don't leave his bat out of lineup. I agree with that. So Winsky definitely does have a lot of power potential. He had another couple home runs this past week. It just He's just not hitting frequently enough. I think mm-hmm. he's three for his last 20 over six games. So definitely need to... Two of them were home runs, but definitely need to keep working on that yep as he gets more playing time i'm sure he will progress hopefully in indianapolis Uh, looking ahead pirates will host the rockies for three games then head out west to take on the padres rockies have cool and freeland announces the first two starters tbd for game three after a double header the other day padres currently have manea musgrove and gore slated to start the weekend series Steve, do you have any thoughts on these two series as we're looking ahead to the Rockies, who I believe are one game under 500, and the Padres, who are contending with the Dodgers and Giants for the top of the NL West? Uh, what are your predictions for this week? I, I could see the Pirates bouncing back. I don't know how well we'll play against uh, Cool tomorrow. We tend to be hit and miss against former Pirates players, so I'm not optimistic about that we're gonna have to wait and see who the pirates starter gets announced for tuesday if that ends up being Contreras, that would be very exciting and i think we would have a shot at taking that series i think Contreras just pitched two days ago so Mm. it's unlikely that he would but it's possible that they use him in like an opener situation where he's slated to go two or three innings Mm-hmm. and then bounce from there into either Keller, Crow, Peters, etc. Yep. 
Well, that would probably make the most sense. The only win Keller has had so far is when he had an opener. That's true. So I have am less optimistic. I don't know when Contreras is going to come in here. Right now, looking at the line, I believe we've got Brubaker slated for tomorrow mm-hmm. and Thompson for Wednesday's game. And then we've got Quintana, Wilson, and Brubaker for the weekend. So Wilson's already announced to going against Musgrove. I think you could go ahead and mark that as a loss. I'm yep. saying we lose two or three to the Cubs, whether inning, defense, whatever, and get swept by the Padres. I've been calling series wins the past couple weeks, and they haven't been working out. Optimism's gone after this past week. <laughs> so I like that we're going to have Contreras. I like that we're going to have De Los Santos, hopefully, arriving this week. But they can't pitch every inning they can't pitch every game so i don't know that that's going to lead to sustained success on this team but it's at least exciting to see some of the younger guys getting brought up hopefully to stay hopefully we don't have Contreras going back to triple a for any kind of time manipulation and that we will be seeing him every fifth day in the rotation yep that's definitely a desperately needed move on from bryce wilson all right, and any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I, I mean, I, I heart goes out to all my uh, fellow Pirates fans. Definitely not the easiest <laughs> week, especially with all the losses against division rivals, but there is a lot of young talent. I know we say it a lot, but it's really there. It's hopefully going to start mounting within the next month or so. Well, you see it in the box score. I don't know if it's going to be in the next month or so, but in the next few weeks, I expect Charrington's going to have to push guys like Cruz. I don't know when the Super 2 deadline is, but it feels like he's going to have to come up. Mason Martin, Cal Mitchell, uh, some more guys, even lesser-known pitchers like Cam Vo, who's been really good in that uh bullpen slash starter role you really have to start looking at who you have as options in the minor leagues and pushing out the veterans who aren't producing Mm -hmm. especially once we get to the trade deadline when guys like Quintana, possibly Bogey are going to be on the trading block alright well that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, I've been Michael Castrigano let's go Bucks.